Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs. Hello everyone, Christina Simmons from Say Yes to Holiness and welcome to episode 109. And today is the eve of the National Day of Prayer for Protection of the Unborn. And this coincides with the Roe v. Wade decision that was made way back in 1973. And what is so important about that decision is the fact that from that decision, pretty much abortion on on demand has become a de facto right. And it really has been a national genocide of unborn children in America that has resulted. And I know these are harsh words, and I know that sometimes people will react, and you might even be turning off the podcast right now, but I invite you to listen. And this is not going to be a conversation or a diatribe about, um, you know, the evils. uh, That's not what this is about. This is about us really diving deep into what it is that our church has taught from the very beginning, and that is the sanctity of life at all stages and in all phases and aspects of life. And we have to be, as disciples of Christ, have to be striving to live that out the best that we can authentically in our daily life. So, one of the great things about my guest today, Camille Pauly, is that she is a rock star about being able to speak about why it is that we should be living this way and gets right down, you know, bare bones is, you know, the reality of how our thinking that, you know, being able to have an abortion is a right is truly a fundamental misunderstanding of human rights and you know healing the culture of which she is the co-founder and also president um they speak about this and they have tons of great resources that are available for people to be able to learn this is not about you know shaming people this is not about you know saying oh you're evil or bad or you know if you believe one thing um but it's about healing the culture. And that's what our conversation was about. It was very healing. It was uplifting. It was encouraging. And I really encourage everyone who's still listening that you really open up your heart and your mind and you just listen and you allow the Holy Spirit to direct you as he desires you to. So enjoy the conversation. I know it will be a very, very uh, good one for you to listen to, and I'll see you on the flip side. (music) 
Hello, this is Christina Simmons with the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm so excited that you have joined me today, and especially because of our guest, who we're going to have some fun, uh, you know, a little bit, but also we're going to be talking about some things that are very important for all of us, uh, which is all related to pro-life and abortion and euthanasia and all of those different life issues, which sometimes can be difficult to talk about. But I'm so excited. Camille, Polly, thank you and welcome to the show. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, not at all. Not at all. So um, you are a part of Healing the Culture, and that's an organization that many people might not be familiar with, but they might be familiar with the person that you collaborate with. Mm -hmm. So could you share a little bit about what uh, Healing the Culture does? Sure. So Healing the Culture is the pro-life organization of Father Robert Spitzer, who many of your listeners and viewers may be familiar with from EWTN and Gonzaga University and a number of other venues. Um, We founded the organization together in 2003. And our purpose is to, it's very different from most of the rest of the pro-life movement. We kind of do what nobody else is doing. We fill in the philosophical gap Mm -hmm. um, in people's minds and hearts about why they need to be pro-life. And so we open the door to a whole dialogue about what happiness is, all these terms that people Mm -hmm. kind of revolve around when they're trying to figure out the abortion question. What is happiness? What's going to make me happy? What is success? What is quality of life and freedom and love? And, you know, what about suffering? And what's a human person and human rights? So we define all those terms in the rich way that our Catholic faith has given us. And then we show people how abortion forces you to live for lower much less um, dignified views of those words. Mm -hmm. And then we show how if you choose to live for the higher meaning of those words, it opens the door to a whole bunch of principles that um, uh, abortion and and euthanasia violate, like Mm -hmm. principles of truth, non-contradiction. It can't be a baby and not a baby at the same time. Or principles of ethics, non-maleficence, do no harm. Mm -hmm. Or principles of justice, life is necessary for the very possibility of liberty where liberty doesn't exist. And so we teach this whole curriculum and we provide resources for schools and parishes and families and homeschools so that you can teach the people that you have influence over using our resources and our support. Uh, that, that is such, you, you are so absolutely right about the fact that there is such a gap, you yeah. know, um, in, in our world, but even in our church um, that are not speaking to these challenges that we have. Um, and it was so beautiful to hear you expressing so clearly, concisely, and directly the challenges, those tensions that we're all running into in our daily life. But, you know, mm-hmm. someone will run into us and they'll, they'll say, you know, something to the effect about, you know, the, the positives of pro-choice choice, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and it'll be like, oh my gosh, how do I respond to that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, my my daughter or son comes home from school and they're speaking to me about the fact of, you know, well, it, it's a woman's right, you know, to do what she wants with her body. And how do I respond to that? Yes. Um, and so uh, just, just in that instance alone, um, how might your, how might that curriculum uh, be able to help uh, parents in particular be able to, you know, handle those situations? Well, it changes the way you think about why you are pro-life. It's very tempting to fall into the statistics or the slippery slope arguments or the legal arguments, but really abortion is not legal and prevalent in our culture today because people haven't seen the statistics or because they don't know what an unborn baby looks like. They're really pro-choice or pro-abortion because they're living for the wrong things. And so if somebody says to you, well, I think it's a woman's choice, I think it should be legal, it shouldn't be up to us or whatever, 
it opens the door for you to say, well, you know, you think this should be a, another person's choice, but I know you wouldn't say that about murder, about rape or about racism. So what is it about abortion that makes you think it should be a person's choice? So now you've asked them to open up the door. I'm not just going to talk to you on the surface level. I want to get underneath to find out what's motivating it, right? Yeah. Well, I think people should be free. Oh, good. What do you think freedom is? Well, I think freedom is being able to have choices. All choices? Obviously not, because you just agreed abortion, you know, murder and rape shouldn't be legal. So what do you mean by that when you say choices well limited choices well what limits the choices ah and now you can get into a dialogue about love what human beings are made for our responsibility towards the other you know our our desires for for generosity and compassion and care and how these are the things that make life worth living and these are the things that drive our definitions of things like freedom and choices mm -hmm. so it, it really gets people to talk much more deeply so our resources help you to sort of change the way you're thinking about the dialogue with somebody and mm -hmm. triggers you into moving much more deeply instead of the arguments that really don't have an impact on people. They've made up their mind on how they're gonna live. And so mm -hmm. often pro-lifers say, people have already made up their mind. There's nothing I can say that's gonna change them. It's true if you're bringing up statistics and legal facts and practical arguments and things like slippery slopes, but it isn't true if you're willing to go deep with them. You know, mm -hmm. Why do you think that happiness means material pleasure and ego gratification? Why do you think that? Do you not think there's a deeper level of happiness that comes from self-sacrifice, serving the poor and the vulnerable and the little weak ones like an unborn child? Wow. You know, when you say that, they're like, well, nobody's ever talked about abortion like that before. And that's exactly where the dialogue needs to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's absolutely spot on that you spoke about going deeper our society you know i've seen lives at such a superficial level and it's just like yes. from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing there's little reflection that's going on and in fact that's one of the things that i speak always with with people about within the say yes community is the fact that you know it's about prioritizing what is it that we have been created for right. and of course it's that it's that three layers of of our vocation that call to holiness to the call you know of course you know um to to become the saints that he you know god created us to be but then also it's within that particular state of life but then it's that personal mission you know that only you can do and you know how do we discern that well the only way we can do that is that if we're living properly ordered and mm -hmm. according to how god has created us to that's be. that's right christina that's exactly what mother Teresa meant when she said it's a poverty that a child must die so that you can live as you wish you know it's it's how are you prioritizing your life and what are you living for that you would kill somebody in order to get that you know mm -hmm. and so what what we want to do is really help people look at those priorities figure out where they've misprioritized and how they're called to something much deeper than that so the kind of work we do we call it kind of the pre-evangelizing mm -hmm. arm of the of the pro-life movement where we're getting in to have people really take a look at the way that they're that they're viewing their, their own meaning and their own purpose in life and helping mm -hmm. them to transform that and we've got a lot of tools for your audiences to use to do that so we've made well, it very easy you had spoke about one of them before we got on and and that was about a particular curriculum you know for families and i'm, yeah. I'm not going to steal your thunder but go ahead and share about what that, well, what that is well sure anybody who knows father spitzer knows that he's kind of like drinking water through a you know fire hydrant when he speaks <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much content and it's so amazing and you're blown away and so when we developed Healing the Culture, we first developed curricula for college because that was mm -hmm. kind of where his program lends itself towards the most. And then adult materials and resources. And then we went down to high school and we developed a high school curriculum. And now we're working on K through eight. 
and we have launched our very first program. A lot of your listeners and viewers are going to love this. It is called Philo and Sophie, Philosophy for Children, and it's a pro-life curriculum at the age level of kindergarten, first and second. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can access that at philoandsophie.org. It's spelled okay. P-H-I-L-O, and Sophie is S-O-P-H-I-E, philoandsophie.org. And um, what it does is it's kind of like Sesame Street style, little vignettes. There's like 12 minute videos that you watch where there's puppets and animation and actors, and it's very high quality. And then there are parent pieces to go with it for activities afterwards. And it teaches all these concepts of what is real happiness and what is quality of life? What does it mean to be successful? And what does it mean to be important and valuable? And we even teach this principle of non-contradiction to second graders, you know, something can't be and not be at the same time at the same place. And these little kids get it. We even beta mm-hmm. tested this on kindergartners, the contraception, the, the non-contradiction curriculum, mm-hmm. and these little kids get it. And then at the end, we apply it to a pro-life issue without talking about abortion at all. You know, mm-hmm. it cannot be a baby and not a baby at the same time in the mom's belly. And these kids love it. The teachers love it. The teachers tell us they've learned things they ha- they've never heard before. So I really mm-hmm. encourage your, your listeners to go to philoandsophie.org. Or if it's hard to remember, they can go to our website, healingtheculture.com. Mm-hmm. And then all of our resources are on that website, including the Philo and Sophie link. I'll make sure to put the links in our show notes how oh, great. people are able to find it and uh, and go to it. And, you know, definitely it's something that uh, for any family who especially um, are feeling those tensions of, you know, if for whatever reason, you know, kids are in public school or because you're not homeschooling or, if, you know, even within some Catholic schools, unfortunately, the curriculum is not as strong as, as we would hope it would be, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially for teaching, you know, pro-life, you know, issues and addressing these things. And so it's something of where this is a way that we can have those conversations and be able to do it in which it's talking about the humanness of, of our journey rather than this is a conservative issue or it's a, you know, or it's a Catholic issue or, you know, this is a human issue. Um, and I think so often, um, you know, when people are starting to address these kind of uh, things, especially as adults, it starts to become highly political politicized very quickly. And so I kind of want to turn a little bit to um, the fact of how is it that, you know, our politics and culture have been impacted by by these issues, particularly the mindset, the, you know, and and what it is that we've been speaking about? Um, You know, can can you speak to that a little bit? Well, you know, some people like to say that politics is downstream of culture and other people say culture is downstream of politics and I really think it goes both ways Mm -hmm. when you have a culture where your media your entertainment industry your advertising industries your educational institutions and you know even your political institutions and and um, business organizations are all orienting itself towards pushing this notion of the self as preeminent you know you can do it you are the best be what you want to be Um, you know, have what you want to have, you can have everything, it's all about you, it's going to bleed into your politics, and it's going to bleed into your law. And uh, the same thing is the other way around. If you have laws that legalize things that are completely beneath us, that are immoral, um, you know, and that ravage our, you know, our higher notions of happiness and purpose, you know, it's going to change the culture. And you can see that happening with Roe versus Wade. 
the legalization mm. of abortion comes along and now people begin to rely on abortion as contraception and then suddenly relationships begin to break down and every single thing that abortion was supposed to cure has actually gotten exponentially worse since abortion was legalized in 1973 nationwide mm -hmm. so it's it's really runs both ways and you need the law um, to control the heartless and to set the standard for what a culture should be like but you need the culture to rise up with education and evangelization so that you can change the law when things go awry yeah. uh it's so very true and there's a particular case that is before the supreme court right now you know so you know the docs case and a lot of people might have heard about it indirectly yeah. but could you speak to it in the sense of why it is important what's going on and then also what you know why should the U.S. Supreme Court potentially overturn Roe v. Wade with this case? Yes, and especially relevant now is the Texas case as well, which the Supreme Court has now just determined that the, the has decided that the Texas case or, or law could stand while their case is being heard in front of the Supreme Court. The Dobbs case is actually known as Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Center. It came out of Mississippi and they passed a law in Mississippi that um, makes abortion illegal after 15 weeks which um, really challenges the standard viability set up by Roe versus Wade and, and its corollary case. And so um, what, what this law says is at 15 weeks and older, you cannot uh, kill the child. It's a human being, it must be protected. So the Supreme Court has heard the case. Uh, I listened to the two hours of, of testimony in the hearing. They've made their decision most likely by now, but they won't release their decision until June. This is critical um, for two reasons. Number one, the challenge of the viability standard is um, key. There's nothing different in the unborn child between pre-viable and post-viable, and that standard is completely arbitrary and it changes all the time. Viability simply means when is the baby able to live outside the womb on its own? Mm -hmm. And of course, no baby is able to live on its own outside the womb. It's just not possible. So when you, what does viability even mean? My, you know, my two-year-old can't live on her own outside the womb. My eight-year-old can't live outside the womb on her own. I can't live outside the womb on my own, right? I rely on farmers and doctors and, you know, other people to care for me. So th this whole standard of viability being connected to your personhood is, um, is really intellectually dishonest and unjust. But the second thing that makes this significant is that this um, case has the potential to overturn Roe versus Wade entirely. It may damage Roe versus Wade by just challenging the viability standard, or it may overturn Roe versus Wade. I don't know which way it's going to go. I tend to think that Roe is going to go, but who knows what the Supreme Court is going to do. Either way, I think it's going to be severely damaged, um, in which case, if it is overturned, um, abortion law goes back to the state, to the hands of all the states, and the states will battle this out one at a time, one by one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so even more important, the preeminence of the work that you are doing so that those who are in each and every city and state um, are able to influence their lawmakers, you mm -hmm. know, properly as to how it is that we should be encountering and receiving uh, life in, in our right. communities. Um, so it, it, it's a absolutely beautiful work that you guys are doing um and i'm so very excited for the for the possibilities um where do you see uh you know you've just you know you're rolling out this curriculum so now kind of where it is that you guys are looking to move you know from here so you kind of have the curriculum from k through you know college and adult um so what do you think is next for healing the culture well we've completed 
college and high school and K through two. And now we're working on third through eighth grades. And okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's the, that's a really exciting age group for me. Cause that's where my children are. So mm-hmm. I get to test stuff out on my kids and see how it works and all that. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's a critical age as well, because now is when the student is able to start reasoning through logic, right? Not just rote memory, mm-hmm. but logically reason them their way through an argument. And so you can mm-hmm. introduce deeper concepts to them. What is a human person and how do we know and how can you prove it? And is it just a biological being or is there something more philosophically deep about who we are, that there's something transcendent to the nature of a human person, right? We're not just a biological conglomeration of cells, you know, bumping into each other, um, but we actually have this spiritual dimension, a capacity to seek transcendent truth and love and justice and beauty and a sense of home or belonging and that's a part of the human experience and it's very real but it's not tangible right and so these kids at that age can really begin to grasp and start to understand some of these concepts and that opens the door to a whole bigger definition of the human person than we can give to a kindergarten or second grader so I'm really excited about developing that that'll you know your audience should look over the next couple of years for that to be developed um mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, that's the next step for us. But I right. think another big step for us is no matter what happens with the Dobbs case, mm-hmm. education is going to be key. If we win everything we want, we cannot rest on our laurels because abortion will still happen. Um, you will still have brokenness. You will still have pro- post-abortive women. Um, you will still have broken families. Um, and you will still have, even if Roe is overturned, you're going to have about 17 states that have some form of post-Roe trigger law where, um, you know, pro-life protections will instantly go into effect. Some of the states, abortion will be completely outlawed. I live in South Dakota, where mm-hmm. we have one of the most pro-life states in the country. Um, and then, but you've got about 14 other states around the country which have codified abortion into their state law. Yeah. And those, you know, we need a lot of work in those states. But the rest of those, about 30, what is that? About about 20 other states mm-hmm. um, are completely up for grabs, right. and it's going to be a battle you know, for blood in those, literally in those states. So our work um, to edge our work at healing the culture to educate is going to have to be ramped up, you know, even more than before, because there's going to be a lot of confusion. Where's my state? What do I do? You know, what, what does abortion mean for me now? Everything seems so easy before, and now everything's confusing. So we, you know, our educational work will be uh, ramped up. And I think people in the political and legal battles are really going to have a tough claw. They've worked hard to get to this point with Roe versus Wade. And now it's going to be state by state. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it, it's something where it can seem very overwhelming, you know, uh, to people. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're on the front lines, you're, you're there, you're immersed, you're engaged, you know, with it day, you know, every day. You know, the work that you're doing is to help others. Um, what are some practical things that we can Good be question. doing? Yeah. Good question. If you are overwhelmed about what's going on and it seems like too much and there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a burden to have, you know, a sense of being overwhelmed and not know what to do. The number one thing you should do is pray for people who are on the front lines. They mm-hmm. need your prayers and your grace. They need God's protection. They need his wisdom um, and they need successes. And so pray for them, pray for people who are in the legal battles and the political battles right now, because that's where this battle is at this moment. Um, but don't forget to pray for those of us who are in the education battles too, because we're like the energy that's lifting all that up so that we can have political and legal wins in the future. That's mm-hmm. number one is to pray. Number two, work with the people in your purview. You don't have to go out and be a mother Teresa. You don't have to go out and, you know, and be a, a, you know, a John, the evangelist, you can work right in your own core group. If your family is strong, if the people in your purview are strong, if they're educated, that's huge. Teach your grandkids. 
-hmm. sit down with them with Philo and Sophie and show them these videos. Teach your high school age kids, get our curriculum principles and choices, which you can get at Healing the Culture and go through that with them. Teach your college kids. We have a, a resource called respectlife.university with little, little five minute video clips that go through all the issues, make it real easy. What about rape and incest? What about life of the mother? What about children with disabilities? Is the unborn a human being? Um, you know, all these issues, little snippets like that. Our resources can help you with that. Send yes. it to them, forward it to them, share it with them, educate them when you have time. Just in your small core, those are practical things you can do. And then, of course, I would say donate. Now is a time, a really good time to donate right. to your favorite pro-life organization mm -hmm. because they're going to need, especially in your state, they're yeah. going to need resources to battle this state by state if Roe versus Wade is overturned and they're going to need your help. So be prepared to do that and be prepared to do some witnessing too. Some mm -hmm. public witness is going to be important in these battleground states. Uh, wonderful, wonderful suggestions. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it's so wonderful and encouraging to be able to have conversation with someone like you in the sense of you are out there and you're, you know, leading the way. Um, and so I wanted to ask, you know, what is it that along in your own journey has convicted you and made you so passionate about the work that you're doing today? <laughs> well, I will tell a little story that when I was in, I was about 15 or 16 years old, my dad worked in television and I wanted to be a movie star. That was my goal. Mm. I wanted to be a famous actress on TV. <laughs> and, um, and here I am now on this podcast. It's so exciting, right? <laughs> exactly. My dad worked in TV and he um, ran a whole bunch of Gregory Peck movies on his station one year. And he actually invited the famous actor, Gregory Peck, to the studio for some fundraising events. So I got to do, I got to interact with him and uh, do some volunteering. And I went up to him and I asked him with stars in my eyes, you know, oh, Mr. Peck, what can I do to be a famous actor like you? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me hard and he said, it's not what you think, kid. Do something more important with your life. And he turned away. Wow. My little starry-eyed balloon popped right there and I you know I was really discouraged by that but it was the best thing he could have ever said to me because it was shortly after that that some friends invited me to witness in front of an abortion clinic and I did and I found my calling and I realized what he meant when he said do something more important and I have been involved in pro-life evangelization ever since Wow. So now some people will be called to be actors in Hollywood and they can utilize that towards the pro-life good, right? And other people will be called in other methods. You don't have to do what I'm doing to be a strong pro-life witness. There are ways in your world that you can do this. But in my world, I was called directly to the heart of the movement. And um, I'm just really grateful for, you know, my little angel there who told <laughs> me to do something else. <laughs> he uh, wasn't afraid to say that is not a good thing for you. Don't do it. <laughs> Well, um, you know, speaking of your work, how do you think it has helped you on your own journey, you know, in, in towards holiness? You know, oh my how, goodness. How you, yeah, that's yeah. such an easy question to answer. <laughs> Father Spitzer, when I met him, I, you know, I was about 23. And my methodology in pro-life work was pretty radical back in those mm -hmm. days. And when I met him, I, I, my job was to learn from him. I worked for the organization he was on the board of. And I was hired to work with him to develop this new idea he had that had never been born yet. And so I got to sit with Father Spitzer for like six hours one day and have him pour this entire philosophy out while I typed up notes. And I'm just crying through the whole thing. I'm like, I never heard this stuff in my life. I had no idea. I went through philosophy classes in high school and in college, and I've never heard this before. My whole notion of freedom and meaning and purpose and, 
and, and happiness just totally changed. And I spent the next 15 years of my life typing his books into the computer by dictation and loved it and learned so much. And I, if it hadn't been for my involvement in the pro-life movement, I never would have met him. And, you know, I could still be doing a lot of the kind of crazy radical things I did back in those days that weren't very successful. Um, so I, I really owe, you know, Father Spitzer so much of my, of my formation and my path towards holiness. And hopefully, you know, we, we get there. So. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, step by step, day by day. Day um, by day. And uh, so uh, it's absolutely amazing to me how our Lord brings the people and those ideas, um, you know, to us that we need right at the at the moment that we need them. Oh, it is. It is uh, my my own interaction with theology of the body for the first time. Oh, yeah. Very similar to what what it was that you were describing. And um, I went to Marquette University, so I I had the blessing of having uh, several Jesuits who you know opened up the philosophy and what you were talking about and the theology and it's something of where. But then when I uh, came and first encountered theology of the body, it was just mind blowing. Literally. Yeah. It's like yeah. the disciples on the road to Emma House where they're like, yes. you know, weren't our hearts just burning inside of us when this guy was talking to us? And we've got yes. that message in the pro-life movement. And when we share mm -hmm. it with others, their hearts burn. And don't be afraid. Don't sit there and think, I can't really change people. Their minds are made up. It isn't true. Their hearts burn in them when you speak the truth. And uh, mm -hmm. that witness is so important in our culture. And, and it's so important to also remember the fact that if you are being prompted to share, um, the Holy Spirit is present and the Holy Spirit's already working in the heart and mind of the person that you're with. And, yeah, you know, right. and, and it's something for us to always remember. Right. It's you not know, just for us, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For us, it's impossible. For, for God, nothing is. And uh, right. so do your part and then fun. get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spot on, spot on. So um, I, just kind of as a, a, a little bit of fun and uh, considering the fact that you brought up about uh, your, your earlier uh, desire to, to be an, an actor or actress um you know just a, a couple of fun get to know you so what actress would you want to have play you in the movie about your life i would want you to play me christina <laughs> oh i'm not an actress though <laughs> I, I cannot answer that question i don't even know where to begin my daughter um, juliet maybe she's an actress she looks like me she'd probably do a pretty good job so. there you go there you go that would be awesome for your daughter to be able to have that um, yeah, so. that's super um so what what is your favorite book or movie or tv series oh my gosh amazing grace is my favorite movie Oh, um, yeah, wow. that, about William Wilberforce and his yes, yes. down the slave trade. And you just see mm -hmm. so many mirrors in that movie between what the anti-slavery movement was fighting and how they were fighting in the pro-life movement against abortion, how we're fighting. You know, they were kind of this jumbled group of misfits from every walk of life mm -hmm. who were stumbling and making mistakes. And but they were so, and, you know, and they were getting beaten you know, just yes. beaten down by the establishment and by the educational institutions and the hubris of the the political establishment and they just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and little by little you could see this edifice just just crumbling and William Wilberforce with all of his flaws you know had this incredible faith that just he did this for God not for himself and not for his own notoriety but he did this for God because he believed truly that it was evil and that is so inspiring to me that we do this because abortion is evil and it's hurting people and it's killing people in their souls and it's leading them into hell. 
and we don't want them to go there. It's not just about the unborn baby. It's about our brothers and sisters already walking the earth who are walking a bad and dangerous path. And uh, so I just love the inspiration yeah. of that movie, Amazing Grace. Yeah. And it, it is. It's a beautiful movie. I mean, you remind, you know, you said that. I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, that yeah. would, you know, I, I was crying, you know, yeah. in, in, in the midst of it. And so beautiful. So um, kind of to, to wrap us all up, um, if you were to be able to go back in time and share one piece of advice to your 18 year old self, what would it be? Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> one piece, just only one. <laughs> How do you, yeah, it, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, I guess I would have said, don't be afraid of yourself. Don't be afraid of your gifts. You know, we're so afraid of what we can do and we hide it under a bushel basket. Mm -hmm. And I did for a number of years. Um, don't be afraid mm -hmm. of yourself and your gifts. Get out there. Do what God is calling you to do. You will shine in your own little corner. You follow his will. Oh, oh that, that, such, such beautiful advice, not just for yourself but for each of us. So thank you so much. You so uh, it, this, this is, I, I can't believe that our time is already up. I know. Yeah. Our conversation has been such a joy. And um, so again, uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, remind everybody of uh, where they can get in touch with you, where they can find out, uh, find the information. Um, and I'll make sure that I get it in the show notes, but go ahead and, and let everybody sure. know how they sure. might be able to reach out. Sure. Probably the best is healingtheculture.com. So just go to our website, okay. healingtheculture.com. All right. Well, super. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And I truly hope that our conversation has inspired you, but also has encouraged you just to do the one thing that you're able to do. As um, you know, as Camille was talking about about the fact of whoever is in your purview, or I, I speak about it in your movable square meter, wherever it is that you are, um, you know, those are the people that God desires for you to be in relationship with and to accompany them, and you know, so. Go, go ahead and do the one thing that you know that you can do. So on that note, I, I say th thank you again, Camille, uh, for being uh, with us today. And everyone out there, continue to do whatever it takes so that together we can tell the master of death, not today. So what might be some resolutions that you could take from the conversation today with Camille? And well, the first one, and she said it herself, which is pray, pray for everyone who's on the front lines politically and also on the front lines of encountering people who are in the very challenging situations that come when dealing with an unplanned pregnancy. So praying for everyone who's involved with that work. The second would be to work with everyone who's in your purview. And what does that mean? It means that everyone who is in your life that is a part of your life that you are able to speak with and to talk to and to share about why it is that we are to be people of life from the tomb, you know, from the, from, from the womb to the tomb. 
is uh, Cardinal, uh, you know, uh, Bernadine uh, said this many years ago, but to be advocates of life from the womb to the tomb and to share that with others and to not be afraid to share that this is what it is that you're striving for in your life. And the third is to check out the resources at healingtheculture.com. And if you believe that the work that they're doing is good work, then support it financially, donate. And I don't often tell people to go and donate uh, to different things, but if you believe that, go and check out the resources, let them speak for themselves and benefit from them. And if you believe that they're doing the work that I do believe we need to be doing, we need to be bringing about healing our culture, then make sure that you support them. So I hope that these are resolutions that will help you be able to live out a more actively pro-life uh, stance in each and every aspect of your daily life. Hello, Christina Simmons here, and I just want to make you aware of an opportunity that is going on now, and it is the Say Yes to Holiness weekly live YouTube show. So every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, I go live and I answer your questions in real time, but I give you just a short little teaching, uh, talk about a topic that people have asked me about or have expressed interest in, and I do that in really 15 minutes or less. So if you're looking for just some short inspiration and encouragement to accompany you on the journey, that I really encourage you to go and check out the Say Yes to Holiness YouTube channel. You can find a link for it in the show notes, but you can also go to YouTube and just do a search for the Say Yes to Holiness YouTube channel. I hope to see you on a Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central. God bless. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes. Or you can visit my website at sayyestoholiness.com or send me an email at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we've begun here today. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we tell the master of death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation with you again soon. God bless.